Your hosts are here, Sammy and Michelle. By the end of this podcast, you'll know them well. Adulting, navigating the journey of life. Careers to relationships, pain and strife. Put down the rule book. Rethink the status quo. If there's another direction you want to go, find purpose, passion and mastery in all that you do with Status Post Adulting. Hey Status Post Adulting fam, this is Sammy and Michelle, and you're listening to the 59th episode of Status Post Adulting, where we are going to be talking about motivation, or more specifically, that motivation is dumb. But before we begin, let me check in with my co-host, Michelle. How are you doing, Michelle? I'm doing really well, Sammy. How are you? I'm doing super good. This week, I catched up on a podcast that I have not listened to in a long time. I don't think you'll be a fan because it's an NPR podcast, but it was This American Life. You are right, Sammy. I do hate NPR. Actually, I'm not sure if This American Life is an NPR podcast. It might be. We'll double check. But I can tell by the vibe of it that you probably wouldn't like it. (laughs) I am familiar with This American Life. What was the episode about? So this episode was about, it was called like something related to apocalypsis. And they talked. Apocalypse. Apocalypses. That will be all. Apocalypse. And they talked about Pacifica. Apocalypse. (laughs) they talked about pacifica which you are familiar with pacifica a city in the bay area Uh, known for the most beautiful taco bell in all the land yeah this is true actually this taco bell is super nice like it's right on the water and it's like the most beautiful taco bell ever this is not like a like this is also not like a thing that we're saying this is like a stated fact oh yeah it's a fact and they even mentioned it on this american life oh really Mm -hmm. is that what it was about No, it was not about the Taco Bell. It was about how these homes in Pacifica, like, people will wake up and, like, their backyard will be gone because it's, like, fallen into the cliff. That terrifies me. Yes, yes. And it was also talking about how, like, because of that, the government was trying to be like, hey, we'll buy your home. Oh, of course! They're the ones probably doing it. (laughs) Let me guess how this ends. Well, the residents were really upset about this because, like, some of them live, like, quarter mile, mile inwards, and they were still trying to, like, buy their home. And so, yeah, that was the big drama. But the interesting thing was just that these houses and these, like, you know, some some are apartment complexes or hotels, they'll just, like, fall into the ocean and it'll just be, like, gone. The whole building? Yes, or parts of the building. And that this commonly happens in Pacifica, like, once in a while and people just kind of like forget about it i feel like this can't be true it's true Gwee. i mean i believe you i heard this but this feels very unbelievable <laughs> to me well yeah but i guess this happens sometimes you know i'm not saying it happens every day or every week but it happens occasionally and like every 10 years or like every year you know that for that you'll have to listen to the podcast probably because i don't remember mm. but this lady was talking about how during the earthquake the camino earthquake or do they have a name i don't know some big earthquake like people were talking about big earthquake it was a big one like but like the you know there's like two big earthquakes in like san francisco i feel like it was one of those because they had a name was there a baseball game during this earthquake that much detail i can't tell you 
anyway, the point is, during this earthquake period, people were worried that their houses would fall into the cliffs, but she found it so humorous that she actually had a party where everybody had to wear, like, flotation devices. Like, she had a necklace of, like, rubber duckies, and then, like, her friends had, like, you know, those little arm things that kids wear to float in the water. And they had, like, this great party. And then two weeks later, her backyard disappeared. No. Like, she woke up in the morning and the backyard was gone. And she was looking at it and she was just, like, confused. But then, like, the end of her house was just, like, cliffs. It was just, sorry, the end of her house was just, like, rocks and, like, water. Like, down a cliff. That's so crazy. Why don't they just sell their house? Like, why do they have to sell it to the government? These people don't want to move yet. Why not? It's a great market. I would want to move. I'd be like, you're going to pay a million dollars for my house that's falling apart? Goodbye. Thank you. Well, nobody said how much they would pay. I'd be like, cliffside view, double price. <laughs> These people, people in the Bay Area will not move. And it's absolutely insane to me. Oh, you know what's insane is then they were talking about people who wanted to buy one of the houses. And like literally the real estate agent put like a rope, like, three feet before the cliff ends because she was anxious about people getting too close to the cliff. But this house was like on the list of houses that could easily fall into the rocks. And people were like eager to buy it. And they were asking people and the people were like, yeah, 800,000 in the Bay Area. That's a great deal. Oh, so the house does go for under cost? I'm guessing they're probably not quite what they would be if they were on solid ground. Hmm, you never know. If you think about it, it's an ocean view house that didn't sell for a million dollars in the Bay Area. So that's kind of insane. Yeah, that is crazy. That is a crazy story. I'll have to probably not check it out, but I encourage our listeners to. Are there any cliffhangers in it? See what it did there? I did. Cliffhanger? The only thing that's hanging off the cliff is the wiring that went into their house. Because, like, you look at the, these images of the houses that fell down the cliff, and it's, like, pole that's, like, was part of the plumbing that's, like, sticking out, jutting out of the cliff. But I know that was not what you were actually asking, but yeah. I would be very motivated to leave those homes. And you know what? These people might be motivated. And that's why motivation is dumb. Because it doesn't actually change anything. That is our topic for today. More specifically, our topic is actually that motivation is dumb. And we should probably explain what we mean by that. Michelle and I were talking about this. And we were talking about how a lot of times we'll wait until we're motivated to do something. Like I'm motivated to get out of bed. Or I'm motivated to do the laundry. Or I'm motivated to work on a project. But the truth is, motivation takes a long time to come and sometimes never comes. On the other hand, if I start doing something, I am inspired to keep doing it. And oftentimes I have way more interest in it than I would have anticipated. Exactly, Sammy. And it's interesting because the reason we decided to talk about this topic is because I was talking to Sammy this weekend and I was just putting this puzzle in front of her that I was thinking through, which was how do you motivate yourself to do something, especially something like big or to motivate yourself to work harder or whatever it is, if so many things to motivate you are very ego-based? So if you're somebody who's motivated by your paycheck or you're made motivated by your title or your success, like technically all of those things are ego-based because you're caring about like these external factors. And so I sort of got myself into this hole where I was like, I'm so confused though. Like, how do you motivate yourself to do things if everything is ego-driven? It's true. Michelle was talking to me about this. She's talking about all these egoic motivations. And I thought that was a good point. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to have a motivation that's egoic because that's probably not going to lead somewhere good. 
And I told Sammy I was not surprised that Eckhart Tolle was living on the street, walking around in a state of bliss, completely unattached. Because after a while, when you start to think about the things that drive you in life, it's like, oh, a lot of these things are dumb. And so if I just enjoy the present moment, maybe I should just let go of material things and just wander around and be happy. Unfortunately, I was not ready to commit myself to that, though. Yes, I did tell you that I wouldn't mind if you wanted to do something like that. And if Michelle was walking around our little small town and everyone's like, hey, don't you work at the clinic? Oh, no, that's my sister. <laughs> and if everyone was like, hey, aren't you that lady who's walking around all the time? And I'd be like, no, I'm actually not. That is my sister. But yes, she is in a perpetual state of enlightenment. So she kind of doesn't really feel the need to work or do anything. She's in constant bliss. Which, these people don't even understand why we moved here in the first place, so I think they would be very, very, very confused. <laughs> They're like, okay, cool. Just, like, really hope more of you are not coming. <laughs> they would be like, ah, here is a stereotype we're learning about Indian people. They walk around in states of bliss. Now the Buddha makes a lot of sense. Asterisk, asterisk. Not that the Buddha is Indian. Yes, asterisk. We know he is not Indian, most likely. Probably. What is... Indian to Buddha. Yeah, I mean, I think he's like Nepalese, but then it's kind of confusing as to like how the country was divided at that time. Indian, maybe. Not that I care. You know, he is a great being no matter what place he is from. But yes, Michelle wasn't ready to be at Cart. And that's when I was thinking about it. And I thought, you know what? Motivation actually comes second. Doing comes first. There's a lot of things that we start doing. And then after we start doing them, we find them inspiring. We find inspiration in knowing them well. We find inspiration in the craft. But before we do them, a lot of times it's hard to actually see where that's going to end. Before we start doing them, it's a little bit hard to see why we would be motivated in that thing. It's true, Sammy. And one thing I was intrinsically understanding was that motivation isn't going to be there all the time and it's not necessarily going to get you where you're going. But I was also confused because I was like, maybe motivation, like where exactly does motivation come in and what is good motivation? And I think that's where we really came to the conclusion that motivation is dumb. Once you are doing something and you're experiencing it and you're building your self-esteem because you're seeing yourself as a doer, that is all more important and will probably lead you into a better direction for your life than trying to wait around and either find the right motivation or be fixated on what's motivating you. And I do think, Michelle, that it is a self-fulfilling circle. Once you start doing things and you find them inspiring and motivating, then you know that when you start other things that eventually you're going to find those things motivating and inspiring as well. So you're just more likely to do things when you have that constant feedback loop that when I do things, I learn to enjoy them. I think about me and pediatrics. If you guys know me, I am not a kid person. I don't want to have my own kids. I'm fine with kids. Like, I do find babies cute and stuff, but I'm not somebody who loves kids. But at my new job, my coworker is leaving, and she is focused in pediatrics, and she's really good. And she has a bunch of pediatric patients all the way to newborns. And previously, I was only seeing patients four and up. So now I have to start seeing newborns and it's been a long time that I've been saying, oh yeah, I need to learn more about children four and under, but I never really took the initiative to learn about it because I wasn't motivated. And I'm not going to lie, I was pretty anxious to find out <laughs> that in a few short months, I'm going to be having to see this whole category of people that I haven't been seeing. 
But my coworker is super awesome and she's been helping me and training me. And on the side, I'm listening to all these pediatric podcasts and watching videos about taking your new baby home. <laughs> and I've been getting into it. The more I learn about it, the more I find it interesting. And she gives me all these little tips like have the mom make a calendar and put a sticker for every day that they poop so that you can really track what days they're pooping and the kid can get like the positive feedback of like pooping and then putting the sticker on there. All these little hacks that like I feel like with adults I've kind of learned on my own by myself but like she's giving me all her knowledge from her many more years of working which has been super fun and just trying to like build this skill set in a way that's going to be useful has been actually really enjoyable and inspiring even though I was 0% motivated to learn about pediatrics before this on my own. That's a great example, Sammy, because I remember when we were talking about you taking on these responsibilities, you were so anxious about it. And I was like, well, you love learning. So I don't really understand how this is different than learning all the other stuff you have to learn for work because you're always so excited to dig in and get more information. And quite frankly, we live in a small town now. And if the only pediatrician leaves, you're going to have to see the kids. So you have to figure it out. And while I said that, I have actually been surprised to see a shift in your mentality from, oh my God, I have to see kids and figure this out, to being really excited to talk to me about the things that you learned and shadow your coworkers. And I've seen just such a shift in like interest in this. And uh, that's when I really understood too that a lot of quote unquote motivation comes after seeing and doing and learning. It's so true, Michelle. And I may have asked Michelle to have a little one of her own and like a little neonate in our own house would really help me out and figuring some of this stuff out. <laughs> I was like, what a terrible reason to have a child. <laughs> like, I need you to have a child as kind of like an experiment situation. I can practice a couple things on it. If there was a reason I would not have a child, it was for that reason. <laughs> I would wait if that was even in the cards for me right now. I'd be like, no, you're going to be start doing weird tests on my kids. <laughs> but you made a good point because even you were asking me about my job when I moved into sales and sales the nice thing about it is like no one goes in there because they're like super excited to be a salesperson you're like this is a good job and I feel like it'll make good money and for me I have been building the skills sort of unintentionally and was good on the phone so I figured I would do that and then over the years I've become so interested in it I really enjoy the different aspects of that job and even enjoy doing things like calling up the cable company and asking for them to reduce our bill. It's true. <laughs> Michelle gets a sick pleasure out of these activities. And if you are desperate to have someone help you get your money back or figure out what's going on with your bills, she is a good person to contact to call this place. And I don't want to use the word harass, but like maybe I would use the word like politely manipulate. It's frightening to see what she does on the phone. This is a total exaggeration. This only came it up is not. because Sammy wanted me to make a couple calls for her for a situation that I won't delve too deeply into for legal reasons. I don't want yet. Yet. But yeah, I was like, boom, I called them for you. I took care of it. They're going to open up a case. They'll see what's going on. And she was like, why do you get a sick, twisted pleasure out of this? And I was like, I don't. I just know that we can resolve this issue, hopefully. No, she does get a sick, twisted pleasure out of it. Like one time she came home and she was in a bad mood. And I'm like, listen, I need you to call Xfinity right now if you're in the mood to kind of do something and channel this energy. And she got on the phone with them. And it, it just makes me feel uncomfortable how she is because she's not angry, but she is aggressive, but like in a nice way. But it's also scary. The main point is, is that we got our money back. <laughs> <laughs> 
the point being is that the real enjoyment comes from the enjoyment in doing your craft and learning these little skills and tricks and enjoying getting in-depth in different things. I think it's a lot to do with growth mentality and it was a good reminder for me that it's never really about how should I motivate myself to do other things or what should my end goal be? It's really about just doing it and knowing that the motivation will come in later. Or you'll decide you hate it and you don't want to do it, but at least you'll get to one of those places. That's so true, Michelle. I think a lot of times we lack that motivation to start doing something. Once we get deep into it, we actually really enjoy it. I see that with little things. Like for me, every week I try to track my spending. I do this on Sundays and sometimes I can procrastinate it and I'm not sure why. I'm just like doing other things during the day and I'm like, I'll get to that. But once I actually log my finances, I get so excited. Like almost every time after logging my finances, I have some sort of insight that I'm beyond excited to tell Michelle or whoever is around me about. And I can't anticipate that before I start tracking my spending for some reason. But literally every time I track my spending, I'll be so excited to find out these new insights. And I find a similar thing with exercise and journaling. There are things that I'm like, I know I have to do it, but it's only afterwards that I feel like the inspiration or the motivation that really lights me up. Exactly, Sammy. Big or small, the different things that we do, we probably all have seen in different ways that there's no point in waiting until inspiration strikes or motivation strikes or the time is right or whatever it is. It's just like if it's something you feel inclined to do, just do it. Make time for it and then see how you feel afterwards. A lot of times we do feel a lot better once we actually start doing the thing. The biggest takeaway is that it is easy to find motivation in things that are tied to our ego. We do live in a world where we go to school, we're rewarded for high academic achievement, we go to work, and a lot of jobs will dangle things like a higher pay, a promotion, a higher title, things that are so externally validated but sometimes don't really mean much. And I think we're sort of having a reckoning with that as a society. But I think one of the best things that you can do and one thing that I'm doing for myself is just trying to think of the things that I'm interested in and starting it and seeing where it takes me. And that's just it. It's not really about whether or not I'm motivated. Like there's some things I'm never going to do, like try to become a NASCAR racer. But there are things that I have an interest in and that I do like to naturally learn about. And then I'll delve into those and see where it takes me. It's true, Michelle. It's really easy to get trapped in those ego-related motivations like work or like success at work or doing things to look good on social media. Things where the reward is related to how other people perceive us. And I think it's good to focus on the things that we like to do otherwise, the things that are actually going to make us better people in the long term. Things like tracking your spending or exercise Things that sometimes it can be hard to build a motivation for, but in the long run have a huge impact on your life. And in the short run, once you start them, they are inspiring and they are enjoyable. Definitely, Sammy. One of the reasons I think financial independence and financial security is also so attractive to so many people is because one, you sort of start doing it because financial stability, financial security, those at a base or like in your Maslow hierarchy of needs, like you just want to be able to survive. But as you start to build, you get more comfortable. You start thinking about things like quote unquote retirement. 
really what I think a lot of people are trying to do is be like, okay, can I get financially secure enough so I can stop caring about the things that are so ego related, like my salary and my job title and things that maybe I actually don't care about. And I can actually just focus on things that I really value, whether or not they make money, whether or not these projects actually look good to the outside world, but actually have some meaning to me. That's so true, Michelle. So let us know what you think. You can always send us a direct message at statuspostadulting. You can email us statuspostadulting at gmail.com. Reach out to us. You know how to get to us. Let us know if you want any stickers and let us know what you thought about this episode. And don't forget to tell a friend if you are enjoying statuspostadulting. If there's any episode that resonated with you, we would love if you shared this with somebody. We know a lot of you have and we love so much to hear that people's friends of friends are also being motivated, which is dumb, by our message. <laughs> but most importantly, be sure to join us next time as we put down the rulebook and rethink the status quo.